when you actually look at urban morphology, urban morphology is the study of the shapes of cities, and you look at um, uh, elevation in most inland cities, the vast majority of inland cities, the lowest occupied spaces closest to the core are almost always occupied by African Americans. We have Fifeville on one side, we have the 10th and Page neighborhood, which shows up um, on um, uh, city maps in the first years of the early 20th century. And then we have two neighborhoods on this side we'll be talking about. Star Hill we'll be walking through, and Vinegar Hill we'll be talking about as well, right? So this spine, which is pre uh, predominantly occupied by um, some white-occupied houses, but primarily the commercial zone, uh, white-managed commercial zone, has behind it and, and below it on both sides uh, the principal African-American uh, neighborhoods. This is a particularly important bridge because this bridge goes over and has since the mid-19th century gone over uh, a railroad track and was often the dividing line between the two halves of the city. This particular bridge uh, was uh, declared in the late 20th century the Drury-Brown Bridge. It was named as the Drury-Brown Bridge. Drury-Brown is one of Charlottesville's most important African-American civil rights leaders who nobody knows anything about, <laughs> right? Drury-Brown, in 1964, co-founded MACA. MACA, which is now associated with some gyms and other uh, sort of infrastructural uh, investments for African-Americans, primarily African-Americans in the city, was founded as a... Um, a civil rights nonprofit organization intended specifically to eradicate poverty uh, for African American families in Charlottesville. Drew Brown did that work uh, for 30 years, dedicated 30 years of his life uh, to uh, reinvestment of Charlottesville's African American community, uh, and uh, soon after his death, this bridge was dedicated uh, in his honor. And you can see that, well, you can't see because they're uh, positioned. As we're crossing, you'll see the names of plaques, and other people have been given the honor of uh, bridge builder, the Bridge Builder Award uh, is also associated with this particular bridge. And so individuals that have been committed to ha the health and well-being of the whole community of Charlottesville, a comprehensive and inclusive view of that well-being, are honored annually, and their names are placed on this bridge. So this is a really, really important bridge when it comes to uh, civil action and the defense of justice for African Americans specifically in the city of Charlottesville. Drury Brown was committed to that work because he lost his father at the age of three to a lynching. Which takes us yet to the next difficult subject. I had the great honor of participating uh, about three months ago now this summer on a pilgrimage that was uh, organized by Jelaine Schmidt, a UVA faculty member, and Andrea Douglas, the director of the Jefferson School, while we'll be in a few minutes. It was a week-long pilgrimage from Charlottesville to the Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama. The Equal Justice Initiative is the location, the location of the newly opened Lynching Museum. Uh, it's an incredibly powerful and incredibly important site that is finally giving due justice to the racial violence and the illegal murder of well over 4,000 people not just in the American South, but concentrated in the American South between the 1880s and into the 1930s. John Henry James uh, was passing through Charlottesville. Uh, he um, was accused of uh, making a pass of some sort at a white woman at Penn Park. 
that resulted in a group of white men accusing him and capturing him, detaining him. Uh, the city of Charlottesville uh, was such up in arms over this assault on a white woman that uh, he was actually relocated to Stanton for safekeeping while his trial was unfolding. He was relocated because there was such a tradition in the American South of mobs of white men going and extracting these black men and just lynching them on the spot. White men who had full control of the justice system and the policing system supplanted that for their own emotionally driven, riot-based justice system. John Henry James was being returned uh, from Stanton for his trial in Charlottesville. A mob of more than 100 men, none masked, stopped the train. They stood on the tracks to stop the train. The sheriff, who was bringing John Henry James back to Charlottesville, watched as the men boarded the train, pulled him off the train, gave him a few minutes to pray, and then dragged him to, our, to a blacksmith shop just off of what was called Ivy Crossing and lynched him. The sheriff was there and saw the whole thing unfold. 100 men, mostly from Charlottesville, that's going to be inclusive of people at the University of Virginia. No one was prosecuted. Not a single name was ever mentioned. That should be horrifying and terrifying, but it was also commonplace. So John Henry James's local story reminds us that the Albemarle County and Charlottesville are part and parcel of a landscape, a broad landscape of violence racially motivated violence across the American South and beyond the American South in the late 19th and early 20th century. Which is why in 1936, an African-American man whose last name was Green in New York City struck on an idea. We're actually beginning to see, against all odds, the rise of a black middle class. That's almost incomprehensible to imagine against all of these forces you actually begin to see the rise of a black middle class who are owning businesses and therefore have the capacity, enough uh, income, to travel on vacation to go see relatives, right? As a result of the great migration, people have moved, families have separated, they're expanding across the American uh, landscape. They want to go meet cousins. What does it look like to get in your car and travel through a landscape where lynching happens commonly. That's a terrifying prospect. You don't know where you can stop. Where do we get gas? How do I feed my kids? Where am I gonna stay? Because that automobile is not gonna take me all that way in one, in one, in one day. What does travel look like? So we've seen produced in 1936 and for 30 years thereafter, the Green Book. The Negro Motorist's Green Book. Every African-American family that owned a car had the most recent copy of the Negro Motorist's Green Book in their car. 
Because as soon as you left your city, a city that you knew, you knew where the safe spaces were in your own city, you don't know where the safe spaces are in another city. You're a middle-class dad traveling with your family and you're taking your kids into a foreign city, a city that you don't know. The terror of that prospect means the guide is always with you because you can open the guide and you can pull up the state and then the town and you can identify, okay, this hotel will safely house African-Americans. I can have my hair braided here and we can eat dinner here. Most of Charlottesville's safe spaces were adjacent to, uh, at this far end of Main Street and on Preston Avenue. Has everybody noticed how weird that intersection is on Preston Avenue? Why is that? Because Preston Avenue was widened via urban renewal. The city of Charlottesville used eminent domain to claim all of those businesses along Preston Avenue. It was initially just a two-lane road with businesses on both sides. You'll now know today that it's a two-lane highway with a huge median. Where did all that space come from? Those were all African-American owned and occupied businesses that were cleared. The reason you hit that chaos is because it's at that moment that you transition from black occupied to white occupied neighborhoods. The white neighborhoods had enough political capital to say no. Preston Avenue was supposed to go all the way to Barracks Road. They cleared the African-American district. They got to the end of that, they hit the white district, and the white said, nope, we're not doing that. That's why we have such a mess. So our urban infrastructure reveals for us the history of racism in our own city, as long as we have eyes to see.